0: Hello, this is Dr. David J. Singleton, your professor for course A-109-B-112, Missiology. This is part two of a six-part series for this course. Contained in this lecture is information from your required reading that you must obtain and communicate. Please listen and follow along closely to grasp the, and communicate the information requested. In this part of the lecture, we will talk about the sword. As we have already stated, the Lord, through the power of his spirit, builds his church. But he has chosen man, redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, to proclaim the gospel message. Yes, God uses people that have already given themselves to him and have yielded to his sovereignty that he might have his way in birthing a New Testament church. Paul calls man God's ambassador. In other words, these persons are on assignment from God and they have the power and authority of heaven working with them to complete the task given to them. For the scripture speaks to us in 1 Corinthians 3, 9-11. through 11, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Christ Jesus. We understand through the counsel of Scripture that the foundation must be built on that which the Lord has already done. This is critical to know because it will help sustain you in the difficult times of the church planting process. Without a doubt, in planting a church, times will come when things can seem quite challenging. The church planter is the sower of the gospel seed. He holds in his bosom or in her bosom. A message that will set the captives free. Great is their responsibility before God. What an awesome privilege. Your role as a church planter is extremely important. Yes, it is essential. If the sower is faithful, many will come to salvation. Churches will be planted. One question that the church planter needs to ask and answer is why would anyone come to church as we go through the continuance of this course we will answer that question for you let's examine some qualities and attributes commonly found among church planters now as you have listened and will continue to listen For the balance of these lectures, you may wonder, God, am I a church planter? Do you want me to pioneer a work? Well, that's a question that you will have to answer with the help of the Lord. What we will do now is look at some of the attributes that are common among church planters, and you'll be able to discern whether or not You see some of these traits in you. I'm inclined to think that you will. Church planters are initiators or trailblazers, if you will. They are innovators. They are pioneers and motivators, creators and entrepreneurs. They are proactive and intentional, not waiting for someone else to do what they believe God has ordained them to do. They are willing to face the unknown because of the known. In other words, they are either people of courage or boldness. They are people of courage when there is fear and they perceive that in the process of establishing the New Testament church plant, they may experience loss, danger or pain. Yet they are resolved that it is the will of God. For them to walk out this God-honoring assignment though they have some fear. I'm especially thankful for those who though they have fear will not allow it to cause a paralysis in their obedience to what God is saying to them. No, these planters will step out of the land of the familiar into the vast expanse of the unfamiliar. Then they are the bold ones who are not fearful at all and will go all in trusting that the Lord has already given them victory before they've even begun. You see, you must know that God loves you, that God always keeps his word, that God is faithful and so if he has Given you to pioneer work, even though you may not know which way to start it, you may not know who to ask to be alongside of you because you know that God is faithful. You must step out. You must move forward. You know, it reminds me of when God spoke to Abram. And he says, Abram, I want you to leave your father's house. And go to a place, a land that I will show you. Well, easily Abram could have said, well God, okay, I'll leave, but uh which way do you want me to go? Shall I go north, south, east, or would you like me to go to the west? As we read through the counsel of scripture, we find no direction given beyond to leave. I personally believe that God was saying to Abraham that Abram, wherever you are, I am. So it doesn't matter if you go north, south, east or west. I'm going to be there with you. Further, I believe he was saying, I will guide you. So you just go the way you feel like you should go. That will be me leading you in the way. And I'm saying to you today, you've got to know that you heard from God to even began to embark upon such a great and awesome task as of establishing a New Testament church. You know, I say to those that have this boldness, check and make sure that God is leading in your life. And this is not just some ambition to conquer another mountain. If you resolve that this is the Lord's leading, then give it all you have and go forth in the power of the resurrected Christ. You see, sometime God has led some who were very timid and apprehensive about going. They didn't seem to know how to go about it and were afraid of some of the pitfalls and uh, some of the things that people would say. But then there's another group. They weren't concerned about what anybody would say. They weren't concerned about a pitfall. They just believed it was God's will for them to do it, and they got started. And then there's a third group. There are some who just, in their ambition, want to take another mountain. I submit to you today that it would be in your best interest And bring greater honor and glory to God if you have a witness in your spirit that this is the will of God for you. That it is God's will for you to pioneer a work in the way of church planting. So I say to you, whether you have some fear or not, it is imperative that you understand God is really the one who does the work, and he alone knows how to get the job done. Your part is simply to follow his lead, and he will take you there. In many respects, the church culture of the 21st century in America and various places around the globe no longer exists. Many believe it is an unchurch and a part of a post-church culture today. In a church culture, people go to church on Sunday because that's the thing to do. In an unchurch culture, people do anything but go to church on Sunday. They go to ball games and shopping malls and movies and whatever other places they may choose to go. So you must understand that you as a church planter will face this kind of culture and that everyone, though they need Christ Jesus, will not initially want him. You know, in a very real way, it can easily be like Peter and those with him while they were fishing all night and caught nothing. What they needed was a word from the Lord to catch more in minutes than they had taken all night long. I'm not submitting that you will get more than you can handle in a matter of minutes when you embark upon this church planting endeavor. No, nor that you will get it all in a little while. What I am submitting, however... Is that direction from the Lord through the counsel of his word and the agency of the Holy Spirit you can have good success in Jesus name. Now I must speak to my sisters in Christ that believe it is the will of God for you to plant a church. Some of you may have come out of churches that would never ever embrace such a thing notwithstanding You believe this is a call of God on your life. I say, do what you believe God has given you to do. Everyone will not know or understand what is stirred in your spirit. But you must know. If God has called you to do this work, he will be with you all the way. You see, it's so easy when... You're rejected of men to discount the value of what God puts in one's heart. This is among men and or women. And I say to my sisters in Christ. If you believe this is the will of God for your life. And this is good for the brothers as well. First of all. You need to be careful how you do where you are right now. Honor. Honor. The covering you are presently under. It doesn't have to be some falling out for you to move into what God has called you to move into. If it's the will of God for you to pioneer work. You need to talk to the angel of the house. Whether it's male or female. You need to go to them. You need to let them know. That God has stirred you up and you believe he wants you. To plan a church. Now you might say well I would but. I know how they're going to respond. And you may. The other side of the coin is. You may not know how they're going to respond. What it is is you think you know how they're going to respond. And so I say to you. You go to them. You share let them say whatever they will. You may have them where they say, hey, get out of here. I don't believe that's God. You may have them where they say, okay, uh, I knew it already. I was just really waiting to hear from you. I'll help you. Or they say, you go ahead. You're on your own. Whatever they say. If God has ordained it, you do not have to worry. God will be with you. You must simply obey him as he leads. And uh, I know today that he will guide you, I know he will keep you, I know he will protect you, and I know he will provide for you as you go along. Church planting is hard work. Church planters spend most of their time in the field. Nothing will take the place of networking with key persons and with pre-Christians. Vision casting and connecting with people who have a heart for the work or people who may be able to move the work forward. It's imperative that you get out. Someone said, it's hard to get behind a vision you don't know about. And unless you step out and you meet people and you interact with folk, they will not know what God has put in your heart. And when you begin to share what God has put in your heart, there are some others that God will give a witness to in their spirit. And when they learn of it, their heart will be attached or connected to you. They will gravitate to you because they have a confidence That this is of God. And so I appeal to you. Get out. You see. It is important that you understand this right from the start. Lest you enter in. To this endeavor. With misguided expectations. Because many established churches in America. Are still living and ministering with a 20th century mentality. They're convinced that what has worked in the past will continue to work in the future. Consequently, there's a tendency among some to be critical of anything that's contemporary and innovative. The real tragedy is that they simply don't understand what it is they're criticizing. Regardless of the fact that they don't understand The rocks they throw are big and they still hurt. They may say concerning your work, it's of the devil. It's Christian heathenism. It's just secular entertainment. And they will say whatever they choose to say. But you need to know that you didn't get... a. To be a part of this work with the idea in mind that it was going to be a cakewalk. It was going to be simply peaches and cream. No, church planting is hard work. And you will have the naysayers. There will be some who may say, well, they're in it for the money. Or they're just trying to be somebody. They just want to run stuff. And all kinds of things. Or some may say well I knew them when. And they'll bring up your past. And all of that. But you've got to be able to plow through that. As a church planter. Knowing that God has called you to this work. And what he has called you to. He will see you through. In fact. uh, You as a church planter. Must know that God has given you. To do what it is that he wants you to do. Further, the church planter must be excited about the venture. If you're not excited about it, don't do it. First, there should be an intense sense of excitement. The spirit of a pioneer, if you will. The planter must be persuaded. That it is worth trying, aiming at, going forth, and obtaining the reality of a New Testament church despite the challenges. If you are dragging into it, others won't drag through it. In fact, I heard it said this way. Let him who wish to convince others first be persuaded himself you got to know that you know that you know you know God has called you to it. You need to be so excited, so convinced, so persuaded until it doesn't matter that there are naysayers that you will meet along the way. It doesn't matter that some will laugh at you. It doesn't matter that others will ask you questions that you are just simply unable to answer perhaps at that time. The fact that you know God has called you to do it, you will continue following him and the answers you will get as you continue on the track. If it's an answer you need at all concerning the questions that's placed before you further, they will get the answer as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Questions that they have, he will answer. Others will get to see the Lord must have been working with them. Look at what God has already done. In fact, there are some persons that's going to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because you would not give up though the work was hard. You know, I think about Noah. And Noah when the ark was in preparing, God had given him direction to do this, to build this ark. And it seemed so outlandish. It seemed so far-fetched. It seemed so unrealistic. To do such. But he had a word from God. And that's the kind of resolve you've got to have. You've got to have a word from God. Now we understand that Noah was building on the ark for a very long time. And you've got to be in for the long haul. Can't pack an overnight bag on this one. And figure well if it don't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in a month. Doesn't happen in a year. Then I'm out. You've got to know what you know. That you know you know. And if you know God has spoken this to you. If you know God has stirred this in you. In your spirit man. Then you must go all the way. The promise is not that once you get started the next week you're going to have a church full of folk. The promise is not that because you got you a few people together you're going to see this mega church explode unless of course, the spirit of God speaks that to you. The reality is the promise is that he will never leave you and neither will he forsake you. The promise is he has given the Holy spirit to us, to be a guide to us, to be a leader to us, to, to uh, give us information. In fact, the scripture talking about him says that he will show us things to come and So I appeal to you, you move forward in faith. Second, in addition to uh, this kind of excitement, there must be anticipation that maybe God will do something great in this work. That maybe, just maybe, this is the time that we are in for seeing and or experiencing the manifestation of something the scriptures have said. Maybe what we have seen or heard will happen in this endeavor. There has to be that type of anticipation. But thirdly, there should also be expectation. We're not only to think that just maybe God will do something special. But deep down within, we expect that he will. We believe against all odds that it is so. We are convinced that it shall happen. This is a prerequisite to the manifestation of God's power showing up in this matter. When it is based on scriptural truths such as in Mark 9.23, the scripture says, And Jesus said unto them, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Anticipation is, I hope it will happen. But expectation is, I believe it will happen. If it doesn't excite you, rest assured, it will probably not excite others you are trying to bring along. So you as a church planter must already be excited about the venture. Then the planter must be a person of faith. Willing to believe and obey God. Planting is an exhaustive but exciting venture of faith. When you have been stirred to go into the wilderness to pioneer work. You have entered the arena of faith. Like Abraham to leave the familiar and go into uncharted territory that can only be navigated by faith. In the book of Hebrews, we read there in Hebrews eleven six, the writer declares, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Another passage of scripture speaks to us and says... Uh, That which is is not a faith, it's sin. So if we're going to go into it, we've got to believe that God has called us to this work. I cannot overemphasize that fact because many have made shipwreck because they stepped out unsure of whether or not it was really God. They heard someone talking. The idea kind of excited them and they moved on it. Someone else they have heard it said over their lives for a number of years or on multiple occasions, and they figured, Well, let me go ahead and do it. Those may be excuses, but I submit it is certainly not the reason. The reason to do it is because of a conviction that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and the counsel of God's Word to move. And so. When it comes to to faith, we must have faith if we're going to please God. We must believe that God can do the impossible even if he don't. As the Hebrew boys said, he's our God. He's able to deliver us. But we want you to know whether he deliver us or not, we're not bending and we're not bowing. In other words, we're going to stand to give honor to our God. There in James 2. Verses twenty through twenty-four says, "But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See if thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect, and the scripture was fulfilled which saith." Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. And so, when it comes to your faith, you have to have some corresponding action to your faith, because your faith is perfected by your works. Faith being alone, Is dead the scripture says. And so you must act in accordance. With what you believe God has given you to do. Not only are we to believe him. But we must obey him as well. Someone said delayed obedience. Is disobedience. Beyond that. The planter must be people of prayer. I trust. That you're a person of prayer. They must know and believe that God not only hears, but God also answers prayer. People that understand that we have access to God through prayer, that God is waiting to act on our behalf and for His glory in our situations, and He is waiting to be invited in. When we pray, We demonstrate that we believe there is someone higher than we are. Our act of prayer is one of the ways we honor God and help ourselves. God has instructed us to pray. And so when we do as he has said, we are acting in obedience and obedience brings blessings. There in Jeremiah 33, 3. Says call unto me and I will answer thee. And shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Not only did God instruct, invite, and promise to hear and answer prayer when we pray. But we should also pray because we don't know the way. You see. It's been said you can never pray too much, but you can certainly pray too little. And I appeal to you as a potential church planter. And see, right now you may say, well, you know, that wasn't my reason for even taking this course. I wasn't thinking about planting a church and I'm not thinking about planting a church. And that's just fine. Only the Lord knows the full of what he has put in you. And he alone knows all that he wants to bring forth through your life. And my responsibility is to share the counsel of scripture and wisdom insights with you. That you might be enriched in your personal walk with God. And if you are one of those that God has ordained to plant a church. That you will be enriched through this course. Additionally. The church planter must love people. You must love people. Now if you're one of those persons, and and this is a telltale sign. If you're one of those persons, you can't stand people. You say, listen, this world would be alright to live in if you just didn't have to deal with people. Then I can assure you, you are probably not ready for planting a church. Now that doesn't mean you won't ever be ready. But I can pretty much promise you now. That's not for you to do at this juncture in your life. You see the church planter must have a heart that greatly values people wherever and whenever you find them. All kinds of people. People of every culture. People of every age. People of every disposition as it were. The planter is always cognizant that people are precious to God, and he will hold us responsible for how we treat others. The planter is commonly one who will look beyond the faults, look beyond shortcomings, look beyond failures of others, and just love on people. You see, the word of God speaks to us and tells us that with loving kindness, God drew us unto himself. God wants to draw others in the way that he has drawn us. And since he drew us with love and kindness, then I resolve that he wants to draw others through us with that same kind of love and kindness. I'm reminded of the scripture there in John 3.16 that declares, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You see, a real shepherd or a real planter is going to smell like the sheep because they're going to spend time with the sheep. Also, Planters understand there is a process, there is a life cycle to church, a life cycle to the vision, a life cycle to the ministry. The various cycles are represented in conception, development, birth, growth, maturity, and reproduction. Conception bespeaks of that point of the idea or the vision for the work. It is a time of sharing the thought of a new church with others. Development is the planning process. This is where you gather with others to identify who are you. What has God called you to do? Why are you doing this? When will you do this? How will you do this and where will it be done? The birthing, if you will, bespeaks of the official launch of this New Testament church plan. When you actually put it into motion. First, there's just some talking about it. Then, there is some planning for it. Then, there is the actual implementation, if you will. Beyond the birth, there is the growth. Growth is the progress and evolution of the church. However you start and whatever is in your vision, when you launch, you will find that some things will change along the track. Though your core issues and your core mission and, and vision components will remain the same, there's other parts of it that will change and it's a time of flowing. It's a time of evolving, if you will. It's a time of defining and so forth in this growth process. Then there is the point of maturity. This is when the ministry, the work has come, if you will, to a level of ripeness or a level of adulthood, a level of a capacity <coughs> that it can reproduce. Last but not least is the process of reproduction. This is the point of producing again, copying, and imitating. This is a time when churches launch other churches, if you will, or church planters plant new churches. When it comes to reaching the world for Christ, C. Peter Wagner is noted for singing, the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches. The planter also is a leader. Someone who guides and directs others. Your motive may not be being the leader, but if you are planting a church, there is a leader, whether you like it or not, and you are the person. Many such leaders have missed their walking in their assignment because they did not want to be seen as the leader. And you know that's kind of noteworthy. And I, I know as I speak to you today, there's some of you that, yeah, you you want to do what God wants you to do. And yes, you believe God wants you to pioneer work. You just don't want to be out front. It's it, it's a desire you have to to just kind of maybe stay in the shadows and can't you do it some other way? You know, saying that reminds me of the Lord Jesus when he was in the garden. And he says, you know, Father, if there be another way as it were, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, if there be another way, let's, let's do this some other way. But if not, then we'll do it as it's already set. And you need to know today that, yes, you are the leader if God is leading you to do that work. So you must walk in it. If you are one of those special and precious persons that don't want to be seen as the leader, then hold on. There will be some that supposed to be following that will make you feel just like you're not the leader if you let them. So you don't have to worry. There'll be some folk that'll come alongside of you, no doubt. Some of them, they will try to minimize your value as a leader. But you've got to know that God has called you. You've got to know he will direct you. Also, as a leader, it is important to understand everybody won't see what you see. They won't hear what you hear, and they won't know what you know. Those things being said, it's important to also know that we don't know it all. Nor will we ever know it all. And so God places people around us and causes people to come alongside of the work who themselves have some knowledge, some skills, some ability that either you may not have or because of all that needs to be done, you may not have the luxury of time as to do it. And so others are able to step in and to do these things. So as a leader, we're to lead as serving Christ. Some say a servant leader. Jesus talking to the disciples said, "Listen, if I, your Lord, can can wash your feet, then ought not you to wash the others' feet?" And so we must serve them whom we also lead. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Listen. The church can only exist under leadership. If there is no leadership, there is no church. The planter must be a a field worker. He must be a field worker, or she must be. Willing to put their hands to the work. Willing to smell like the outdoors. And willing to smell like the sheep. One thing I've found is that many planters have done every task there is in a church to do at some point or the other. Many times this is beneficial because when the help comes, you already know what it takes to get the job done, whether it's getting this or that done. Planters are not afraid to do what they ask others to do. You will gain relational capital when the people you are leading see that you are not afraid to go out and talk with people. You're not afraid to get your hands dirty. You're willing to come alongside of them and work alongside of them. There's relational capital that you get. God does something in the experience, as it were. And many of them may tell you, oh, no, that's all right, we'll do this, and to God be the glory. But what we don't want to do is just, hey, y'all do all of this and as if we don't care and as if that is beneath us. Then planters must be vision casters. One who can cast and will cast a compelling picture of an expected possibility. One who sees what others may not see. One who can communicate a future reality In a present blindness. They draw life like images on the canvas of the imagination of others. So as a vision caster. Here it is. God has shown you some things. And as you cast vision. You help others to see what otherwise they could not see. It's like a blindness as it were. But when you cast vision and you share this compelling Uh, God-given vision. There are people that God has already uniquely and sovereignly set in place that when they hear it, there will be a witness within them to say, yes, this is something I'm supposed to be a part of. This is something I'm supposed to pray for. This is something I'm supposed to seed into and support with my time, my energy, and my resources. And so, you as a vision caster or you as a planter must indeed be a vision caster. You must be a networker. A networker is one that is getting to know, making themselves known, and making connections. This is imperative for a church planter to do. If nobody knows you, you will probably be alone. Further, planters understand that the church is really based on relationship. So then by default, relationships have to be developed with persons you don't know. In fact, Proverbs 18.24 says to us, A man that hath friends must shew himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer, closer than a brother. As you reach out to be a friend to others, others will reach out to be a friend to you. It is so. Last but not least for this lecture is that planters must have thick skin. The planter has to be able to take being talked about, blamed for wrong motives, and for going about it all the wrong way, at the wrong time, and the wrong place. If you can't take it, you won't make it. It's been said that if you're not willing to receive constructive criticism, you are not worthy to receive the glory. Since they talked about Jesus Christ and he kept going doing what the Father's will was, then we find that by example... We can continue doing what he has called us to do as well. Church planters don't need everyone's approval. In fact, the scripture speaks to us in John 15, 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. So I say to you, church planter, you press forward, you look up, you rise up, you go up. Giving God glory and giving God praise in all things. We'll talk with you in the next lecture.